It's time for season two of the Remoter Podcast. I'm your host, Josephine. As a continuation from season one with Alex and Andreas, I had the opportunity to interview some remote work leaders, ranging from companies, consultants, advocates, and more, to add to Remoter's stash of free resources and human-centered stories, enriching our educational platform about remote work. This podcast is sponsored by Tori, a new kind of professional network that automatically connects talent with opportunity. Founded by Alexander Tori Negra, our goal is to make work fulfilling for everyone. Find the job of your dreams by visiting Tori.co. That's T-O-R-R-E dot C-O. Almost didn't make it for this recording. There were a couple of location mishaps that were figured out during the last hours of Rebecca and I meeting. And then I almost had to record this in a small broom closet sized room because we didn't have any meeting rooms booked due to the location mishaps. But thankfully, one of the meeting rooms in this co-working space freed up just as I was about to set up. At the end of the day, everything ended up working out, which was incredible because this was where I was going to tell Rebecca's story. A story about building community and trust with users. A story about unconventional jobs and career paths. A story about the dedication of helping others achieve meaningful face-to-face connections while being run by Outsight's completely remote team spread across the globe. Welcome to another episode of The Remoter Podcast. And today... I am in in an old church, which is now turned into a co-working space, oh <laughs> Launch 22. And we are doing an episode in their meeting room with a lot of old pictures and boxing gloves and cassette tapes. There's a suitcase directly above your head as well. <laughs> it's, it's outfit with a lot of um, old items, probably from the church probably haunted. I have Rebecca Mails from Outsight with me today. She is the head of content um, at the co-living space. Rebecca, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? For sure, yeah. So that's my uh, title. It'd be head of content. Recently, it's only actually very recently that I've moved into that. So before that, I was head of community with Outsight. And before that, I was working on a completely different project uh, called Nomad House. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I'm 100% remote. I'm currently, well, I'm literally just back from a trip between <laughs> Mexico and the States. That's more or less, it's kind of where Outside is based. Mm-hmm. So it's originally, it came out of Santa Cruz, but we're now in about 30 locations around the world. Mm-hmm. And so our newest one is in Tulum in Mexico. And so, okay, yeah, so that's why I was over there. So yeah, I did two weeks there at the start of January and then we had our company retreat in LA um, oh, okay. uh, yeah, in January as well. And so two weeks in LA and then two more weeks in Mexico after that. Okay. I am welcoming you back to your home. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit more about Nomad House? Because I saw, yeah, you were working yeah. on that before. So I have no idea how that even happened, <laughs> <laughs> literally. So I originally, this was like, must have been five years ago now. I was just freelancing and I'd just come out of like full-time like office-based employment as well. Mm-hmm. I would freelance like on the side of that. And so I was like, oh, what am I doing? I may as well actually travel and go and see places whilst doing this. At that time, I didn't know anyone else doing it. So it began to feel a little bit weird because I couldn't really check into a hostel because I couldn't work there. Right, right. And anywhere that I was alone, you just, you kind of think too much if you're on your own. And yeah. so 
I started to find all these communities on Twitter and Instagram. I started talking to my then like co-founder on Twitter and he was like, oh, I'm actually looking for some like social media and marketing help for this new project called Nomad House. After the first trip that I went on uh, with Nomad House, it was just a conversation of, okay, you're not really doing social media. You're acting like a co-founder. And we're that was like, yeah, like, we're literally doing everything. So yeah. And that's how that developed. And we did that for about a year and a half. I think we did six or seven trips in total. Okay. And that was like the co-working retreats model rather than co-livings. As soon as I kind of exited that, I knew some people working outside already. And the conversation just started with outside. I mean, I feel like the transition from working at on a project like Nomad House to a project like Outside is just like that. That makes sense. It's, yeah, it made complete sense. <laughs> yeah. But then when I explain it to people, I'm like, I've literally no idea how I've yeah, like, got to where I am now. Because, yeah, I don't think you ever imagined doing this type of work. Maybe if you're in uni or mm-hmm. like I started out in an advertising agency and then I went into a publishing house okay okay yeah then I was doing freelance content creation and social media work okay and and now this is what I've fallen into so (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's wild are you born and raised in the UK or yeah so um I'm actually from just outside of Manchester I I grew up on a farm so (laughs) not London at all Um, yeah was there until about age 18 and then moved over to Belfast to study. And oh, okay. Then, yeah. So two years in Northern Ireland, and then I did a year in Australia as well because they offered uh, study abroad. So I was like, well, obviously I'm course, going to yeah. Australia. Yeah. I really relate with that. Me personally, like I didn't really leave Toronto until I got to university, and then I did a study abroad as well. And I was like, oh, the world. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, look, <wow>. this. <laughs> There's more to it. There's Where did you study it. abroad? I did my study abroad in Singapore. Oh, cool. So I was like, oh, wow, this really is. That'd be crazy different to Toronto as well. Yeah. Yeah. I also started in advertising as well before moving on to whatever this is. This (laughs) This job. Content. Yeah. (laughs) Content production, but remote, completely remote. I think it's really cool what Outside is doing. I was able to visit your Lisbon space. I haven't been in a co-living model yet. Like I I want to try Mm. it in the near future. I think that's like... uh, best outside in my my personal opinion at the moment yeah because that, oh, okay. that's where we have the co-work cafe as well yes, and yes. so that yeah that really helps mix in the actual like co-work vibe and then we have the four floors above it which is the actual co-living space mm-hmm. so that's obviously the private part that the, you know it's just guests up there but yeah. having that on the ground floor I think completely changes it because mm-hmm. then it's uh, like, and it's not just coffee as well like we have drinks and so it makes it quite a social thing it's not just mm-hmm. work anymore mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about outsight and the company's missions and values and yeah just give us a little briefer on yeah outside. of course yeah. so i'll start with the mission we've been working on this like a lot more highly for the past six months so mm-hmm. the idea for outside is we want to create the infrastructure that makes it possible for anyone to just design the way that they live so what would does your ideal day look like and what do you need to do that? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we notice is like, obviously well, people will always need a place to stay if you look at like, you or me at the moment. So we're not really in traditional working models mm-hmm. and it means that maybe you travel a lot and perhaps you're not meeting the same people that you would be if you were maybe in an office environment. And mm-hmm. so then all of a sudden there's a gap in the market at the moment for that segment and like the infrastructure is not there for them yet. And so that's kind of what we're aiming to do and then around that it's just kind of happening organically as well but there's a huge community growing within it 
And yeah, as I mentioned before, we are originally based out of Santa Cruz and that's because, so the founder is called Emmanuel and he's originally from Belgium, mm -hmm. but um, he got a job out in San Jose and then he was able to work remotely as well. And so he found Santa Cruz and he loves surfing. So mm -hmm. then all of a sudden he was like, this is wild. Like, why do people, more people not do this? Like, and why is there not some sort of infrastructure to allow people to do it? And so... He rented out this one house in Santa Cruz, which we still have. It's called Oxford on the website, and that was the first outsite. And so he started renting out rooms to different people, and then it grew to two locations in Santa Cruz. And then I think the next one was San Diego and then LA. And obviously it's kind of gone from there. And so mm -hmm. that's why, as well with some of the marketing that you see, there's a bit of a surf angle there because that's originally where it came from. You guys are looking to expand and build into other places, right? We're currently looking at, a lot of new spaces in Europe. Okay. Yeah, for Europe, we're really looking at the big cities. So London is one of them. Mm -hmm. It's it's not easy because we want to find these, you know, perfect buildings for what we want to do. It's got to be the right price for us as well. And then the right locations. So there's all these different factors going into it, which means finding the right place and opening it takes way more time than it might look like on the website. Oh, of course. Yeah. Just like I'm sure, like making sure that it is Outfit it for people who you know oh, need to absolutely. go work there and live there for maybe a longer period of time. Yeah, because like you've got as expansion, so that's just looking for the locations, mm -hmm. deciding on the neighborhood and the the actual physical space, and then you have the opening stage, which is where we are trying to make sure: does it need renovation? Do we need to change any of the? Uh, I'm sure. actual property yeah yeah like is, thinking about yeah. like the local laws and everything and like, oh my yeah <laughs> absolutely and then you consider the fact that we're not just in the states anymore and especially once you go into Europe so obviously Portugal we actually have two locations there now which has made it easier because we can use the same company and the, the same laws apply but then we've opened in France we've opened in Switzerland so yeah, it's getting used to the, well, not just getting used to, it's understanding the local laws and how it all works in each space. Um, in particular in the US, actually, because of Airbnb and the residential laws. Oh, right. Yeah, that come in there. And again, like, I'm I'm not really on the operations side, so I can't speak to it so much, but mm -hmm. I know that it's it's not made it easy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard. I've heard about that. I know like in um, Lisbon, I think in London as well, like they were saying how it's harder to run Airbnbs now because mm. people are stricter on the laws. They have to be like registered, get a number. Oh, yeah. and Absolutely. In like Portugal, it's a alojamento local, I think. Yeah. And I think there is a good reason for it. Like if you look at what an Airbnb can do to a city, mm -hmm. I, I can uh, completely understand where the locals are coming from. Mm -hmm. And so to control it, it yeah, I think it, it does make sense. Mm -hmm. I hope that the type of travelers that we're encouraging to come to these places, they're more conscious, more understanding, and perhaps they want to stay for a longer time. And so hopefully we bring a more positive type of tourism to these places when we do open in you mm -hmm. know, Lisbon, for example, or wherever we open next. And I mean, as you said, like you don't work in the operations part, but you do work in the uh, marketing and content. And I am very interested to talk about your processes and I guess your strategies that you use to build, I guess, a community of returning members to outside. It's just making sure you have a product that people want to use and people get value from. For the actual experience, that's, that's guest experience, that's hospitality mm -hmm. and making sure that people are looked after, they're really comfortable and they have the best experience that they can in your spaces. And a huge part of that for us, it's not just, you know, having a nice room. Mm -hmm. It's making sure that they're meeting 
the right people. So it's making sure we have weekly events, for example, or uh, like the WhatsApp group. That's been crazy, like the way that that's changed how people communicate. Because before that, I think we had we have Facebook groups and mm-hmm. Slack. And they were like, oh, well, why would we not do WhatsApp? Because it's the most universal and it's also very personal. Like mm-hmm. Whenever you give someone a WhatsApp, you, you're on like first name terms. And so we have WhatsApp groups for every location and they are super active. I think a huge part of it just to create value and make sure that's what your members are kind of looking for from you. And then for actual membership, we create value in different ways there. And so whenever you become a member, that you get huge discounts on the actual spaces, but you also get access to all these perks with different partners around the world. And oh, okay, so, okay. Yeah, generally we'll try and partner with people that are really useful, even when perhaps you're not in an outside space. So okay. say, I don't know, maybe you're from Chicago or something. And, um, you know, we have like car rentals, we've got travel insurance. There's all these like oh, pass okay. pass, like all those like, actual lifestyle perks that people do want to use. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, uh, that I think that's a huge part of actually creating a returning user base as well. Have you gotten any feedback from users that they've told you, like, this has worked out really well for me, like, keep doing this, or maybe you guys should uh, look into doing something else? And have, have you gotten mm-hmm. anything like that? The thing that we always hear back from when we've done something good, it, it's the community aspect. Okay. Because I think that is primarily like what people are looking for when they come to outside. Mm-hmm. It's that they just want to meet people and make sure they're having the right conversations. Um, we did uh, part of our membership recently was uh, like an expert network. So okay. it's basically okay. making it easy to find other members who are doing the things that perhaps you want support in. So we heard from one of our members there. So she offers, um, I think it's like virtual assistance. Uh, okay. Like virtual like PAs. VA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she mentioned with the uh, expert network that we set up, she'd got a ton of leads in from there. Like she's super proactive as well. And so I think it's a, a two-way street. Like we'll build the ability for you to like meet these people and actually network. Mm-hmm. But then if you start taking advantage of that, you can, yeah, like it would work really well for you. And she said, yeah, I'd manage to get a few new clients there. And that was really great for me. So that was good for us to find out as well. On on top of topics like that, are you guys working on any environmentally focused initiatives? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot going on. So I don't manage our sustainability. Someone called Christina does. And so there's a few things that we do. So when you book with us, mm-hmm. we plant one tree. We work with one tree planted on that. So that's kind of the first thing we do in the buyer's journey as such. And so the next part for us is when you get into the house, how can we make that more sustainable? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this is not the most like glamorous topic. The biggest thing is just recycling and composting and making sure we're doing that. Like we get so many people for our houses and like everyone eats, everyone like goes out and, you know, do their groceries. And so they'll come back with like maybe a ton of like plastic wrap stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's making sure, okay, if people are going to buy it, like how can we dispose of it in a way that's going to be better for the environment? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, it's making sure we can compost. But even that it gets complex depending on the location you're in so we'll work in with different partners whether you're in san francisco or new york or la it's yeah it's always different and then on top of that like all the toiletries used, they're all eco-friendly yeah there's a ton of different things going on kind of behind the scenes yeah you probably do see it more when you're a guest because we have messaging around the house to say like you know please refill your water bottle don't be using a uh, single-use plastic um 
yeah, we do. We do a lot towards sustainability and hopefully we'll do more and more as time goes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm personally really behind the companies that are actually actively trying to do something about it. Like one thing that I was wondering was because when I was in Lisbon, I was talking to my Airbnb host and he was saying that, is it even, he, like I, I saw that there was just one trash can. I'm like, where's your recycling? Where's your, and he's like, well, the building doesn't even do any, like they don't even sort it anyway. So we're just, so we're just going to put everything in one place. And I'm like, but how many yeah. places are really like that? And then that, that's the other like added level of behind the scenes that I just, you know, I could it's be understanding. Yeah. yeah. Like how every country does it. So in Portugal, well, at least we've always been told that you sort it yourself. And mm-hmm. so when you drop off your recycling, you drop it off in the like, bins, like glass, plastics, uh, paper, cardboard, whatever. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but like you have to understand how it's different for every country. Exactly, yeah. Like I have no idea, actually. I haven't been to our Swiss Alps location, so I, I don't know how we manage it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in uh, like Mexico, for instance, I was actually in an Airbnb as well. Okay. So I don't know how I did this, but I managed to find someone who was like really into recycling that. And so oh, okay. there's, yeah, there's like these uh, voluntary projects for recycling in Tulum and she did compost as well. And I was like, wow, just like, I think being around those people as well, it makes it really helpful for actually understanding like the location and like, okay, so how does this work for you? Because, you know, when you have, and we really want to support all these initiatives, but mm-hmm. we, we don't know where to start yeah, in exactly. a new location. Yeah. Exactly. Given that there's, there's all these things that you have to think about when you guys are implementing all your locations and your sites and your projects, would you say there's a level of added difficulty when doing all this and trying to scale with your team remotely? And- uh, so I think there's a lot that perhaps we almost don't see as a remote team. For every location, there's probably things that perhaps we're just not seeing because we don't touch the product like all the time. At least mm-hmm. if you're selling something online, you can see your website, you can see your analytics, so you can you can have an idea of like what's doing well and what's not doing so well. Yeah. And so we rely really, really hugely on community managers just to tell us like, hey, what's going on? Like, is there any problems? And they're great. Like they are like a key part of making this work. Of because, course. Yeah. It's an, it's an in-person experience. It's not it's something that you just saw online. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly an obstacle with the remote aspect of it. So it's more so you make sure you keep a tight communication between the, those who are on the ground and those who are yeah. not on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. We've got, um, so our COO, Liz, she's hugely responsible for a lot of that. And so mm-hmm. she does, she is like, all over it with most of the locations she'll understand exactly what's going on at like, any given time it's wild considering we have so many locations as well now I-, I wanted to talk a little bit about your team as everybody is probably wondering what are you guys doing to kind of keep up your rem- your team culture we have like one annual retreat where mm-hmm. like the whole team is in on it and then we'll have smaller ones as well i work on content there's someone i work really closely with on growth and mm-hmm. so slightly that we'd have like a smaller split off retreat okay to just focus on those type of projects and so I think that's the biggest thing that we do and then for actual like I guess day-to-day remote culture we just we talk to each other a lot on Slack and then like we do uh, whenever we have actual meetings we'll we'll tend to always use video because mm-hmm. it sounds like the smallest change and sometimes you don't really want to be on video because you're like oh I, I, I look really tired <laughs> da, da, da. like but like that's what you'd be dealing with in office. So mm-hmm. it it should feel the same or like, uh, but I think maybe sometimes we're just not as used to it anymore because we're like, oh, we're remote. We don't have to like see people every day. But mm-hmm. um, I think the video thing really helps change it because then you get a sense, but 
like how someone's feeling beyond how their voice sounds. So yeah, it makes the actual remote culture much more personable. People say they're like, why would I go back after experiencing this life? So that's kind of what I was going to ask you next about your overall like experience, your overall feelings about working remotely since now you've yeah. done it for over five years now yeah. and freedom is such a big thing for you. What would it take for you to go back to an office space? That's a great question, actually. <laughs> um, I actually think the education part of being in an office would be what would pull you back because it's like that saying, you know, like you should uh, make sure you're like not the smartest person in the room or like mm-hmm. make sure you're the most like, dumb person in the room as such because then you're always going to be learning from people. But if you're the only person in the room, like <laughs> who you're learning from, um, yeah, that maybe would be the one thing um, that would probably turn your head if you've been in remote for so long, like mm-hmm. to learn from other people again in real life. But uh, I think when you're remote, you do just look for other sources for education because like, you need to know what other people in your industry are doing, like what's next. And so you keep yourself up to date in that way. And what the are other some thing, things that you yeah. do to keep yourselves updated? It's uh, So honestly, there are a few great platforms. So I love the newsletter from... I think it's later.co or latergram. Uh, they have a oh. scheduling app. Yes. And yes. Yeah. I just, I love their content. They present it in a way that's so readable. You can just flip through the newsletter and you're like, okay, I know exactly what I want to read. Like, And I work with social media managers as well. So it makes it really easy mm-hmm. if we ever have like a new idea. So they did this article on the engagement rate on posts that are designed for like saving rather than liking or uh, mm-hmm. commenting on. And so we did some experiments based on that. And yeah, like the content is just really easy and educational, uh, I find. Okay. Any any other platforms? Um, da, da, da. Reddit, actually. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. Reddit's a great one because I just feel that they really cut through. Like that, I guess that would be the opposite of creating content for education as such because it's more people are actually having conversations about what they're doing, what's working, what's not working. And you can see, yeah, it's just like a very real life conversation rather than uh, something being presented to you in that format. So this uh, one of our last questions on the episode. Has working remotely opened up anything for you that's outside of your career? Yeah. Anything that, um, yeah, like a new hobby, anything in general? So whenever we started traveling like more and more with Nomad House, I was like, oh, like I, I've always loved photography. And okay. then this was when... Uh, Mavic started coming out of all their drones and so I was like well I'm spending this much time like traveling and these coastlines would look absolutely crazy if I had a drone mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden I bought a drone and it's like the only thing I was doing like I was just like I just want to go and like drone here and there and everywhere and um yeah we'd done this uh we'd done this trip out to the Azores and I knew there was this I could see it on Google Maps so I was like the coastline here just looks weird like there's all these rocks and waves and like I was like we should definitely go here. And so at one point we had, I think, two cars full. And it was just because I'd said, like, I really want to go and like use the drone on this like rocky outcrop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we were like racing against sunset to get to this one spot to make sure we had daylight so we could send the drones up into the air. So do you still do it? Like not so much now. Okay. Well, I've been living in London for the past year, so it's definitely not drone friendly here. But um yeah, it's funny how it changes how you like do things if you are on a trip because mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're like, 
where can we go which will have like a really weird thing that we can like video or take photos with on the drone and everyone gets into it because it means you're outdoors like all day just trying to find these like really cool spots Mm -hmm. so what are what is like one of the most memorable spots that you found like randomly through your drone footage so um we were looking at new locations and this was maybe a year and a half ago with outside and um we went to Peniche and Baliel which are like surf towns in Portugal. And so okay. we'd gone up to Baliel, which is like a surf spot. Not many people go there though, because there's like a dirt road and it doesn't let like you're going anywhere when you're down the dirt road, but then you're there and um, around the beach. And so I sent the drone up and it just looked crazy because you don't realize it when you look at it, but the sand was like orange and oh. then the water was blue. And so you see this crazy contrast from, you know, 500 feet up in the air and yeah, like moments like that where you're like, this just doesn't look real. But yeah, yeah. Wow. Just kind of- well, I mean, that's awesome that, you know, like you being able to work remotely and working on these um, community-centric projects have led you to this hobby. Such a random, yeah, like all of a sudden, like, you know, you get a huge group of people like running down the beach just to get to this one drone spot. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. And um, I'm like, that's the really cool thing that I like to kind of dig into when speaking about remote work, because with the freedom, um, I mean, a lot of people have been able to do other things with their time and maybe Mm -hmm. not like maybe um, people may have to take care of their family or, you know, exactly. But 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 that's still something. That's like why I think this is going to stay around though, Mm -hmm. because whilst I might be, you know, chatting away about drones, for someone who wants to have like a family life, like that means that they have the flexibility and the freedom to do that. If mm-hmm. someone wants to start a farm, like they can do that. It's it creates more hours in the day for you. Like mm-hmm. if you look at people who are commuting in London, they can spend like two hours or more like commuting, which is just I think is crazy. It's insane. Yeah, because if you give that two hours back to someone, like what will they do with that? Like would they improve their health? Do they improve their relationships? Their career? Like. You, you don't know what they'll do with it until you give them that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Given that you guys have that time, I want to know if you think that Outsight's story and your story as well, um, but the company's mission and values and everything will help encourage and enable more people to maybe check out this remote f- lifestyle. Yeah, like 100% because I think what we're doing is we're making it more normal. And the more normal it becomes, like the more... It's, and maybe then it's that we're not even calling it, like, it's not inspiring people. It's just showing them this is a way to live. Like these are the people that you can meet and the people that you can work with. Like this should be the new normal. And uh, with that, I just want to thank you so much for being thank on you. Um, the Remoter Podcast and giving me your time today in this kind of gloomy weather in London. Old church building. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> No, thank you. This is the first like professional podcast that I've done. So really cool. I'm excited for this episode to come out. Remoter Podcast Season 2 is recorded, produced, and edited by Josephine C. It is mixed and mastered by Steven Stepanik and Vanessa Monroy. Graphics and visuals by Valentina Castillo. The music track used is Skip by Old Boy from Soundstripe. Follow and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget, we've recently made our founding and growing remotely online course completely accessible and listed on our site. Visit us at remoter.com, that's R-E-M-O-T-E-R dot com for more relevant content. 
follow us on social media at Remoter Project to stay up to date with our latest initiatives and collaborations with other remote first companies around the world. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about each episode, so feel free to tag us on socials anytime. And remember, we're here to make work fulfilling. So what part will you play in shaping the future of work? <laughs>